1: See, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring spiritual life where there was spiritual death and spiritual light where there was spiritual darkness. It's only the Holy Spirit that can open spiritual eyes and ears and a heart to see the need for Jesus and salvation and respond to that invitation to salvation.
2: Welcome once again to Study Verse by Verse, a daily visit from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and their senior pastor, Leighton Sheely, a devotional time that uh, I hope you'll make a regular part of your listening habit. I'm Mike Trout, so glad you've joined us. Pastor Leighton is once again in the book of John and starting off in the 15th chapter.
1: We're going to begin reading at verse 18, but our focus today is going to be again at uh, verse 26. We're in the gospel of John. And chapter 15, as a, as a church family, you've been studying through this incredible gospel written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the aging and wise Apostle John towards the end of his exceptionally long life, decades after the other gospels had been written and were in circulation. And it contains a lot of information that we, are not, we don't find in the other gospels. Beginning at chapter 13, the Apostle John begins a narrative of The night before Jesus' crucifixion when he and his disciples met in the upper room for a Passover meal that we often call the Last Supper. Now normally this would have been an occasion for celebration as the uh, Jewish disciples would have been celebrating God miraculously taking the nation out of the land of slavery and bondage and death, the land of Egypt. But in the upper room that night the disciples were conflicted. Because Jesus had announced that shortly he would be lifted up. And they were aware of the growing hostility and animosity of the religious leaders. And it's against this backdrop that Jesus makes promises to comfort them and encourage them in their sorrow. And the first thing that he does is he wants to assure them of his love. And he illustrates it so clearly through the washing of their feet. And then he tells them that they need to wash each other's feet. They need to serve each other. That the servant is not greater than the Lord. That they should follow his example. And then Jesus dismisses Judas who leaves. And he has time with the remaining apostles to encourage them. And he, In chapters 14 and, and later he gives some fantastic promises. ...that will become theirs when he goes away. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself... ...that where I am, there you may be also. It's the promise of living in heaven for all eternity with God. And then Jesus commissions his followers to continue his ministry... In verse 12 he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the miracles that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to be with the Father. Now he says greater, he's not speaking of greater in terms of quality, that somehow or other we're going to do greater miracles than raising the dead like Jesus did, but rather in quantity. That when Jesus was alive, the miracles surrounded him, but he was only one person in one place at one time. But as his disciples... ...shared the gospel throughout the world, the miracles would follow them... ...and many more would be touched by these miracles. So greater not in quality, but in quantity. And then Jesus begins to talk about the Holy Spirit... ...because the Holy Spirit makes it possible that all of these promises... ...that Jesus gives will become a reality. The Holy Spirit is the key to the whole thing. Without the Holy Spirit, the promises could not happen... There'd be no power, there'd be no resource to make the promises come to reality, but the Holy Spirit is the key to everything. And then Jesus makes a promise that's not positive. In chapter 15 he says, there's one more thing that I need to tell you, and that is that when you go out and do these ministries, you're you're going to be rejected. Now this is a, a contrast with the other promises. All of the other promises may have set the disciples up to think, wow, we've... Jesus is going to give us these miracles and we're going to go out and we're just going to turn the world upside down. But Jesus says, I don't want you to be disappointed because that's not what's going to happen. When you go out, the world is going to reject you, despise you, hate you, persecute you, and kill you. And think that they're doing God a favor when they do it. Now the passage we looked at when we were Last together begins at, I think, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world, but because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master? If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours." But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And so what Jesus here is saying is the hatred that the disciples are going to experience originated with the hatred the world had for Jesus himself. And that when he departs, the confrontation is going to continue. But how? Well, the answer is provided in these two verses. The Holy Spirit is going to join with the disciples in testifying about Jesus to the world. And the opposition to Jesus is going to continue. The hatred of the world is part of the system of the world that is adversarial towards Christ Jesus and all who follow him. They hate us because we don't belong or support their system. They hate us because they hated our Lord and he lives within us. They hate us because they don't know God. That's what Jesus said. These three things, these three reasons why the world... Hates us. And so, after Jesus declares all of these incredible promises that will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, he delivers this disturbing news that the world is going to reject. And it might have, at that point, the disciples might have given up. But it's in this context he introduces the ministry of the Holy Spirit in relation to the hatred of the world. Now, you may ask, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with the hatred of the world? Well, the answer is that only he can overcome that hatred. See, the the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring spiritual life where there was spiritual death and spiritual light where there was spiritual darkness. It's only the Holy Spirit that can open spiritual eyes and ears and a heart to see the need for Jesus and salvation and respond to that invitation to salvation. Now you notice verses 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. You know, when I was young and I didn't know my Bible, I I had a wrong view of God. I had a view uh, that God the Father was like a fierce judge who was watching me, just waiting for me to do something wrong so he could drop the gavel on me. And believe me, I gave him a lot of reason for doing that. But that Jesus Christ was appealing to him on my behalf. Well, the Bible teaches that all three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all involved in bringing salvation to the sinner. I had a wrong understanding or concept of God. Now earlier in this gospel, Jesus said that the Father would send the Spirit in response to his prayer. That's in chapter 14, verse 16. And then in verse 26, the Father would send him in Christ's name. But here, Jesus says that he himself will send the Holy Spirit from the Father. So it's clear uh, that there is an intimate relationship between Father and Son in the sending of the Holy Spirit, that it's an activity that involves them both. Now, who comes from the Father doesn't refer to or describe the organization or construction of the Trinity, which became a great theological topic of debate and discussion in the fourth century and eventually led to a division in the Christian church between the Eastern Orthodox and the Western Roman Catholic. You see, the passage is not concerned with describing the internal relationships of the person of the Trinity, but rather with the work that the Holy Spirit would do as a continuation of the ministry of Christ Jesus, that he would be a witness to Christ. Christ says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you, He will testify about me, and you also must testify. He will testify. You must testify. And it's the combination of these two testimonies that God uses to exalt Christ and draw men and women to him. And before we get a little puffed up thinking that we're co-workers with God, we need to note that the Lord mentions the Holy Spirit first. And only after that, us. Now our witness is necessary, but it's powerless without the presence and empowerment of God's Holy Spirit. Only he can illuminate an unregenerate mind and move a rebellious heart to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And he does this through the work of conviction. Before anyone can be saved, they have to have a sense of their own sin their own inability to save themselves, their need for a Savior. They need to, to address and confront this problem of judgment and righteousness and sin. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He, he brings to light these three areas of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, in what way does the testimony of the Holy Spirit consist? Well, there's two ways. One way is in directing the writing of Scripture and the other is in bringing the objective truth of Scripture into the subjective experience of believers.
2: And Pastor Leighton Sheely will elaborate on those two points when we come back with the Thursday edition of our broadcast and he continues his study in the book of John. If you've missed any of these programs, you'll find them on our ministry website, studyversebyverse.com that's studyversebyverse.com we're also a nonprofit outreach and you can give to the ministry come along side by side safely on that website again studyversebyverse.com there's a lot going on at the church especially at this time of year and if you'd like those details just go to the church's website highlands.us that's highlands.us If you find it easier to give us a call, our number is 650-873-4095. That's 650-873-4095. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.